Anyone in here besides me a fan of animated movies? <laughs> Ferdinand was Joan's favorite book as a child, and they recently, I know in the last, I say recently, might be in the last five years, I don't know, made an animated version of the movie Ferdinand, and uh, did a pretty good job of it. I mean, it's a lot different story than what you find in the book, but they, they kept the heart of it right. You have this huge bull uh, with a gentle spirit. Uh, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't, loves flowers, wouldn't harm a fly, unless he gets stung by a bee. <laughs> and then he becomes a raging bull. Anyway, and, and during this movie, at one point, he finds himself literally in a china shop. <laughs> and so you have the bull in a china shop. And, and he does his very best to do no damage. But it doesn't matter how much he tries, he is still a bull in a china shop. <laughs> and he does a lot of damage. Some of us are like him. Some of us are, are bulls just going through life merrily, making our way, not intentionally hurting anybody. We have no ill will towards anyone whatsoever. We're happy, but we are happily blundering our way. And if we leave any damage behind us, it certainly wasn't our intent. We didn't mean to hurt anybody. We didn't want to do any harm. But here's the scary flip side, is that while some of us are the bull, others are the china shop. And some people are easily injured. Uh, and, and for whatever reason, they are fragile. And for us bulls, it is hard to be gentle enough. Jesus was always gentle enough. And so today we are looking at gentle Jesus, or our gentle Savior, uh, who would not break a crushed reed or snuff out a dimly burning wick. Another movie reference, this is a movie I doubt anyone has watched. I stumbled across it. It's a story of a guy has served overseas with the Marines. Um, you know, typical sinful guy does not know he has a nine-year-old daughter. Um, sometime after his girlfriend became pregnant, she got saved and raised this daughter. She is, this nine-year-old daughter is super Christian. The woman dies, the child's in foster care, and this guy is, for, you know, finds himself raising this daughter. And uh, as the story goes by, and I haven't seen the whole thing yet, I don't know how it turns out, but as the story goes by, he's reflecting on his past. And at one point, he had another girlfriend pregnant. And when she came and told him she was pregnant, she was really excited and happy, and he told her to have an abortion. And she was so depressed, she went out and killed herself. And he's talking about it, and he says she was fragile. But what you recognize as you go through this was it, it ended her life, but it destroyed his life at the same time. He was the bull. She was the china shop. She was fragile. He was the guy that did the damage. But you, you recognize when he had done this, he himself was damaged in the same way. Okay. Today we're going to look at Jesus, who would not break a brute, crushed reed or snuff out a dimly burning wick. Let me read the passage. Isaiah chapter 42, verses 1 through 4. 
Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom my soul delights. I put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry out nor raise his voice, nor make his voice heard in the street. A bent reed he will not break off, and a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish, but he will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not be disheartened or crushed until he has established justice on the earth, and the coastlands will wait expectantly for his law. Okay. First, I, I just want to talk about the terms we have here and, and what's going on here. Uh, he will not cry out or raise his voice, nor make his voice heard in the street. I, I, I said this is describing gentle Jesus, but, but when we, and, and he says, Behold my servant whom, I'm up, whom I uphold, uh, and the servant is in Isaiah, it's a reference to Jesus. Uh, sometimes the Israel will say, well, no, it's a reference to the nation Israel, but it just doesn't fit all uh, consistently. It is a consistent picture of Jesus. Behold my servant whom I uphold, but it says he will not cry out or, nor raise his voice, nor make his voice heard in the street. And we know Jesus was a street preacher. Right? Jesus spent time in the streets doing it. It sounds like a problem already. Are you sure this is talking about Jesus? Because he was certainly heard in the street. Well, you know, there are different ways to cry out. And depending on what you're calling crying out, he either did or he didn't. Because sometimes crying out is just making an annoying noise. Right? Uh, be, to, to be annoying. 1 Corinthians 13.1, Though I speak with the tongue of men and of angels, but have not love, I am just a clanging gong or a... How's that go? <laughs> Something symbol sounding gong or clanging cymbal. Uh, yeah, he, he, I'm, just, I'm just making a lot of noise, right? Uh, that's, that's all I'm doing. I'm speaking with the tongues of men and of angels. I'm doing all the right things, but there's no love, and I'm just making a lot of noise. Proverbs 27, 14 says, One who blesses his friend with a loud voice early in the morning, will be con- it will be considered a curse to him. <laughs> when you're out at camp, for some reason, I thought it would be funny to walk into the, the dining hall in the morning calling that verse out loudly. <laughs> and so I walked into the dining hall going, Proverbs 27.14! Proverbs 27.14! And, and uh, Linda Nelson says, what are you doing? I said, Proverbs 27.14! <laughs> and I'm the only one who thought that was funny. <laughs> I, I, I can't imagine that, except now I look back and I go, what an idiot. <laughs> what a dumb thing to do. But I did prove the, the proverb true. <laughs> I was an annoying voice in the morning and was considered a curse <laughs> to all who heard me, right? Jesus always spoke with love. He always spoke with love. Uh, he spoke appropriately. And so he certainly was not that kind of crying out. He was not an annoying noise. And I picture street Preachers who make loud noises and cry out, God hates, and you can fill in the blank for who he hates. Very often, you can picture it with the most offensive term they can put in. And it's accurate, and it's true. God hates sin, and, and in spite of what you say, you look through Scripture, he hates sinners. At the same time, he loves sinners and wants them to be saved. Uh, but uh, they do that. And they, but, but you know, there's other street preachers who do a really good job of street preaching. And they get out there and they proclaim Jesus Christ in ways that are not annoying or offensive. Uh, and, and, you know, Jesus Christ is offensive. I hope if I offend anybody, I offend you with Jesus Christ and not with me, which, I believe me, I, believe, I know there's much more offensive about me than him. But let it be because I proclaim the truth and not because I'm being Steve calling out Proverbs 27:14 in the morning, right? Uh, the, the, the people might not like the message of those good guys crying out on the street, but, but it, the manner is not offensive. It is, it is the message that they don't want to hear. 
Another way of crying out, you can be crying out in your own cause. And I think this is most likely what we're looking at here because we find this in Scripture. In Luke chapter 20, Jesus dealt with a lot of this. The Pharisees, and actually before we get to Luke chapter 20, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is, is dealing with what people did actually do in his day. Uh, and they did a lot of crying out in their own interest. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Take care not to practice your righteousness in the sight of people to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. And he's saying that because people were in the habit of practicing their righteousness before men to be noticed of them. And they did all sorts of things, like they made sure that when they did a good deed, it was public, so that people would know they did a good deed. They did their giving publicly, they did their praying publicly, they did their good deeds publicly, so that people would be noticed and say, my, what a good person, he's doing these good deeds. Matthew chapter 6, verse 2 says, So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, so they will be praised by people. So he says, don't, don't sound trumpets when you give to the poor the way the others do, because the others were doing that. I'm going to give to the poor, just a second, just a second. Do, 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 do. Got your attention? Here, John, have some money. <laughs> and John says, <laughs> John says, thank you <laughs> for the money, uh, and by the way, for calling everyone's attention to <laughs> that I was receiving this money. Uh, they're, they're doing it, t that's verse 2. But wait, we're not done. Verse 5. Uh, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so they will be seen by people. Truly I say to you, they have the reward in full. So they're going to pray. They don't, they don't go in the corner. They don't go find some quiet place alone. I love to pray, pray alone. You know, praying alone is way better than praying with other people around <laughs> because I, I feel embarrassed. For, I, I shouldn't feel embarrassed praying in front of people, but I do. Uh, but they, were, they wanted to make sure people knew they were praying. So they'd, they'd stand up and they'd pray out loud in, in, in the congregation so that everybody would know they were doing and, and they made sure people saw and heard. And Jesus says, go into an inner room, close your door and pray to your Father who is in secret. Your Father who sees what is done in secret, He'll reward you. But, but, but they were doing it to be seen. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, still verse 16. Now whenever you fast, do not make a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they distort their faces so that they, they will be noticed by people when they are fasting. So, so you're fasting and you walk around looking like this. What's the matter? Oh, I'm fasting. Why are you fasting? Because I'm holier than you. <laughs> he said, don't do that. Yeah, but, but he says all these things because those are the things they were doing. And so if they were crying out in the street, they were saying, look at me, I'm a holy person. Look at me, I'm doing good. They, they did all those kinds of things. And Jesus did not call, cry out his own righteousness. I said Luke chapter 20. It's just another example of the same, uh, but it's, it's more of a story. Luke chapter 20, uh, verse 45 to 21, verse 4. And while all the people were listening, he said to the disciples, uh, Beware of the scribes who walk, like to walk around in long robes and love personal greetings in the marketplaces and chief seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets who devour widows' houses and for appearance's sake offer long prayers. These will receive all the more condemnation. 
Now he looked up and saw the wealthy putting their gifts into the temple treasury, and he saw a poor widow putting in two, this version says, lepta coins. And it has a note on the bottom, the smallest Greek copper coin, about one one twenty-eighth of a laborer's daily wage. And so I took that down, minimum wage, and it comes out to about a nickel, uh, two nickels maybe. Um, he says, uh, so she put in two of these things. And he said, truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all of them, for they contributed to the offering from their surplus, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had to live on. And based on what we saw earlier, these rich people, as they were coming to put their big gifts into the temple treasury, were making a lot of noise about it. Everybody look at me, dun da da clang, 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 you know, and, and in goes the, the money, right? And, uh, but this widow, you know, she didn't do that, right? She's, she's probably ashamed of her two nickels that she's putting in. Right? And then you say, well, I heard it was two pennies. Yeah, but it's inflation. <laughs> you know, sorry. <laughs> Once upon a time, you could buy candy with pennies, right? That's why they called it penny candy, right? But uh, you can't do that anymore. And in fact, the nickels are worthless too. But uh, you could see her kind of walking up when no one's watching and drop in her two nickels and walk on, hoping nobody notices her because she's embarrassed by what she's giving. But why is she giving it? Because she has this heart to give. She has this desire to give to God, and for her, it's a sacrifice. It's more of a sacrifice to give up these two nickels than it was for them to give, out, give up their great riches, and he, she was not making a lot of noise about it, but they were making a lot of noise about it. We just know that's what they were doing. And Jesus did not cry out his own righteousness. Jesus also did not cry out his own defense. We're going to go back to Isaiah for that one. Isaiah chapter 53, one of the most awesome passages in all of Scripture. This is just one verse out of it because we just we get lost in it too much. Isaiah 53, verse 7. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that is silent before its shearers, so he did not open his mouth. And he, he could have easily answered the priests and the scribes and the Pharisees, when they had their mock court on him, he could have silenced them. He could have, he could have shut them up. He could have rebuked them. He could have countered their arguments. He could have done any number of things, but he did not cry out in his own defense. He did not defend himself against Pilate. He did not defend himself against the Sanhedrin. But he quietly went and took this punishment. So he did his work on the street or on the mountainside or, or on the temple porch out I mean he was outside he did he did most of his work outside but he did not cry out in an annoying or self-serving way but he would cry out uh, God's word but it wasn't you, 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 the difference is, is pretty astounding when you say this and this is consistent of of the gentle Jesus John 3:17 we all know John 3:16 for God so loved the world he gave his one and only son or only begotten son whichever you prefer uh, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 3.17. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might have life through him. He did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world. Had he wanted to condemn the world, he could certainly do that. There were plenty of grounds. But he went to this world that deserved condemnation, and to this world deserving condemnation, he came to give not condemnation but to give life. And, and that's where we find the gentle Jesus. He is going out of his way to not do harm, to not hurt those who deserve harm. 
He, he is not annoying, but he is loving. He is not crying out nearly so much as calling out. And, and, and I think that difference is, is pretty profound and pretty clear. So we're going to come back to that John 3.17 a time or two as we go through here. But I want to go to a bent reed, right? Uh, back in Isaiah 42. A bent reed he will not break off. You know, a healthy reed has no problem standing tall. Is it, is it hard to get a picture of reeds, you know, down, down by the, the creek, you know, and the wind is blowing, and they're kind of doing this, and they're tall, and they're, they're green, and they're, they're blowing in the breeze, and, and uh, it's not hard to see that. But someone comes along and crushes a reed. It is impossible to make that thing stand. It's, it's not like if you, 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 you I mean, maybe, maybe you're that circus performer, you know, who can take it and get it balanced just right that it will stand, and then you can do tricks and it will stand, but, but for the rest of us, it's impossible to make that thing stand. You, 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 it's, you simply cannot do it. Something comes along and bends the reed, and you cannot make it stand again. And what was not once strong what was once healthy, what was now vi once viable, is now fragile. And it needs support if it will stand. I, you see, I'm the kind of guy who, if I have a, have a bunch of flowers, doesn't happen very often, <laughs> and, and, and you break the reed on one, right? And it just goes thump. Well, I cut it off and hang it in the other flowers, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> I'm not giving up that good-looking bloom just because the stem is broken, <laughs> right? Well, what does it need? It needs the support of other flowers with healthy stems. It cannot, it is impossible for that thing to stand on its own. It has to be supported by some other way. Okay, a barely, uh, a bruised reed is something damaged and broken. Uh, what kind of a person is this a picture of? And I don't think we're talking about physical damage here. We're not talking about a broken leg, right? It is impossible to stand on a broken leg. I tried it. I broke my leg when I was 10. I didn't understand what happened. I stood up. I fell down. I stood up. I fell down. I started to stand up again. This guy ran up and said, stay down. <laughs> I was going to keep getting up till this guy came. It was broken in three places. I was not going to stand on this leg, right? Uh, it, I don't think it's talking about physical damage, but to spiritual damage or emotional damage. You know, take your pick of those two. Uh, we, we could create a shopping list of reasons why or how someone gets spiritually or emotionally broken. I don't think we have to do that because the passage doesn't. It just leaves it wide open to, uh, it, it doesn't name a cause, it just names the fact that some are bruised or broken reeds. Some are damaged and they cannot stand, they do not have the ability to stand on their own. Uh, God assumes that we're able to fill in the blanks. And as I, as I say this, this refers, may refer directly to you. And you say, you may be thinking, yes, I am damaged. And if you are damaged, you may think, because I am damaged, God does not want me. Because damage emotionally or spiritually may mean simply a weakness or an inability to stand, but it may be that you're the bull. Like, you know, that guy was the bull in that, that movie illustration, but he, he was injured in the process of doing that. And, and, and it's not hard to see that this, I mean, this was a movie, but in real life. I, I, never, I never thought about how telling a woman to have an abortion would affect the man who said it. But then I, and especially in this case where the woman went and 
committed suicide, but, but even without that, he's never going to forget that he said that. That is going to cause damage that what? You do that and you think God's going to save you? You think he wants you? And the answer here that we find here is a bruised reed he will not break. Jesus is coming for everybody. Jesus isn't coming just for, the, for those who have harm done for them, but also for those who do the harm, that in doing the harm, they harm themselves. The bruised reed. I, I, I think this speaks to us all. You know, I don't, I don't, can feel, I don't feel myself to be a damaged or broken person. I, 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 maybe you say, Steve, you should see yourself better. Uh, but you know what? When I read this passage, it speaks to me. This is one of those passages that when you read it, you feel it down deep, right? And, and I say that, and you may say, I don't. Well, I'm, then I'm not speaking to, then I'm, I'm not speaking, uh, I'm thinking what I think is universal truth just because it's true to me. When I read this passage, it, it speaks to me with a depth that, that a lot of passages don't. And I don't consider myself to be broken or damaged. I consider myself to be more the bull, the guy who just wanders through life blindly and happily and, and, and uh, doesn't worry about things and doesn't even realize he's causing damage because he's insensitive, <laughs> right? Doesn't know. But when I read this passage, I feel it's speaking to me. And it matters to me. Uh, matters to me who think I'm fine that he will not bruise a bend, break a bruised reed, right? It, it matters to me why, I get, I, because maybe I know I'm more, more broken than I realize. <laughs> maybe I know, maybe it's because I've been forgiven in, in spite of what I've done that I feel this way. I, I don't know. But I need to know this about my Savior. I, I need to know about my Savior that he will not break a bruised reed. I need to know that. It tells me good things about him. And then we move from that to a dimly burning wick. And the barely lit wick and the bruised reed may just be two different ways of saying the same things, but if you stop and you really look at them, boy, they're vastly different, aren't they? Uh, overall, they contribute to the same picture, but I think they're very different. A bruised reed is something damaged and broken. Barely burning wick is something weak and without power and in danger of going out. And you know that song that Annie loves to sing just to annoy me? <laughs> Why this song annoys me? I guess, you know, some things just hit you wrong. It only takes a spark to get a fire going. Unless you want to start a fire, right? right? It takes a, only takes a spark if you throw a, wick, a, a, a cigarette out and light a forest fire because that spark's enough to light a forest fire. But can you start a fire in your wood stove with it? <laughs> the answer is no. You know? if, a spark, if it only took a spark to light a fire, would you need lighter fluid for your charcoal? You know? it's, like, it, it, it's, it's a lie. Okay. A barely burning wick is not the wick that's in danger of starting a fire, it's the wick that's in danger of going out, right? It's the wick, it's the, you know, you've, you've had it, where you have that itty bitty little fire, and you're trying to protect the fire enough to keep it from going out, and, and you can't hardly do it. I have days, you know, I light the wood stove pretty much every morning, some days we have enough coal, I don't have to, but some days I can't, I light the paper and it goes out. I'm going, how can paper not burn? What is wrong with this world? I lit the paper. It was burning. I shut the door. It went out. I'm going, what? 
Paper burns. It's what paper does. Some days are like that. A dimly burning wick he will not snuff out, which I am interpreting to mean he will not allow to go out, right? Which is like a next step. Uh, a dimly burning wick is not in danger of starting anything. It is in danger of going out. And, and it, doesn't, it seems like you cannot protect that wick enough to keep it going. You, it's not like, you know, once the fire is going, I, I love it. I, I think it's so awesome when the, when I, the coals are down in there and, and I don't use a, a, the, the, a match because and, and, there's enough coals in there. And I just re reach in, I go, and it goes, and I go, whoo, yeah. You know, I, I like that. It, that, that. That is so satisfying when that happens. Can you do that with a dimly burning wick? <laughs> you can't. You, you have, you, there's no way you could do for that dimly burning wick what you could do for that burning ember, right, uh, that's down there. You, you have to be careful for it. You, you, can't, uh, you can't feed it more fuel. I mean, ha have you ever done this where, where you have a fire that's burning light, or a small, so you put a piece of paper to it, and instead of the paper burning, the fire goes out? It's like, you, you cannot protect this flame enough. And, and so what does this tiny flame represent? Well, it's not the same as a bruised reed, which is damaged, although it may be a result of damage, I don't know, uh, probably is in some way, but, but, but a flame, we would think, I think would, would naturally make a connotation of that to hope, uh, maybe to love, maybe to zeal, right? Those are things we, we would re represent as burning, right? Maybe even to life tiny energy, yeah, whatever it is, it's tiny, tiny hope, tiny zeal, tiny life, tiny fire. And you have a tiny flame. He will not snuff it out. And, and again, the Bible is giving us nothing more than just the, the, the picture. And he, he lets us find the answer in there. We probably shouldn't limit it to one specific thing. But, but I think it represents something good that is weak. Right? I think that's safe to say. It represents something good that should be doing better, but it's weak and barely staying alive. It might be faith. Right? Is not faith a good answer? Uh, and Jesus, the gentle shepherd, will not extinguish the dimly burning weak, but will accept it, and then not only will he not snuff it out, he will feed it. He will make it burn. Something we can't do. He'll make it glow. Think about... The woman caught in adultery. Matthew chapter, or not Matthew, John chapter 8. John chapter 8, they, they bring her to him. He's sitting at the temple steps. The, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, they, not the Sadducees, Pharisees, the scribes, they bring her to him, this woman caught in adultery. They say, ha, what are you going to do with this? They're not interested in the woman. They want to catch Jesus and trap him, right? Uh, and they bring her. They say, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. There is no defense. There is no excuse. There is no hope. She is guilty, and she deserves to die. She should die because of what she has done, and there is, there, what are you going to do? Are you going to change the law, Jesus? What are you going to do here, right? Uh, she had no hope. She was guilty. She was surrounded by accusers demanding her death, right? And she was deserving of the death that that they demanded. And Jesus, who is not here to condemn, right? He did not come to condemn the world, but the, to save the world through him, right? Jesus did not come to, to do that. He, he, he also did not excuse her sin. 
didn't say, they're there, it's okay, it didn't matter. He says, go and sin no more. He acknowledged her sin, but he was not there to condemn. And this woman who had no hope, right? I, 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 don't, I mean, I don't think she had any hope. Maybe she thought, maybe this Jesus guy can do something to save me, but I don't think she is feeling any hope when these guys drag her to him. And he took that hope that she didn't even have, and he brought it back and gave her. And we don't know the rest of the story. We don't know whatever happened to this woman. But does anyone think she got saved? <laughs> does anyone think any other possible outcome to that story? I mean, it, I, I can say, sure, there's a possible other outcome. She walked away and sinned more. <laughs> I mean, that's a possible outcome, but I just have a hard time seeing that result from that. And he took that hope and he saved it. Okay. He did not extinguish the dimly burning wick. The thief on the cross, uh, he had more reason to hope than she did. He says, remember me when you come into your house. So he, he, he is calling out in some kind of faith. But he was not only caught and guilty and worthy of death, presumably, but he was in the process of being executed, right? He was halfway through the execution. He actually shows more hope than the woman because he says, remember me. And this man deserved to have his little bit of hope snuffed out. This man was a sinner under the sentence of death because he did something deserving death. Unless their court was completely wrong, but there doesn't seem to be anything in the story that says he didn't deserve to be there. right? And Jesus said, uh, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. And he fulfilled his hope. There's so many others. Peter denies Jesus three times. Three times. Uh, and, and then he went out uh, in despair and wept. Saul, <laughs> what, a, what an amazing story. Saul is, is on the road to Damascus. I, I don't remember if it says he was riding a donkey or not, but you know he gets struck to the ground, he's blind, he's the only one that can make out the words that say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And you go, uh-oh. <laughs> how much hope do you feel at that moment? When a voice from heaven says, knocks you to the ground and says, why are you persecuting me? How much hope do you feel at that moment? Because I'm thinking, it's over. I'm toast. It's too late for me. The Philippian jailer. How much hope did the Philippian jailer have? He had beaten Saul and Barnabas, or Paul and Barnabas at this time. He had beaten them. He had thrown them in stocks. He had put them in jail. There's an earthquake he thinks everybody's run free, and he ran in and pulled his sword and was about to stab himself. Much hope? And Paul said, no, no, we're here. And the guy crumbles and falls to his knees and says, "What, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Right? The dimly burning wick he will not snuff out. He will not. And here's the thing is, why is that flame fail, failing so much in the first place? Because, and not always, but so often we bring it on ourselves. It's because of what we have done that the flame starts to fade. And, and how often have people responded, but you don't know what I've done. And what are they saying is, because I've what, of what I've done, there is no hope for me. You think there's hope for me? You don't know what I've done. I told a woman to have an abortion. I killed a guy. 
I, I met, I've met Christian murderers, or I shouldn't say murderers. I met a Christian murderer. He was in jail for murder, waiting to be transferred. He was guilty. He didn't, he didn't argue with that. But since that time, he got saved. <laughs> you go, wow, Christian murderer. It's a cool story. Was not, but, 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 but before he got saved, it was like, you don't know what I've done. I murdered somebody. You don't know what I've done. I've dealt drugs. You don't know what I've done. I have, and fill in the blanks. What are they saying? They're saying, I have destroyed my own hope. And Jesus, the gentle Savior, who does not break a bruised reed or snuff out a fading wick, takes it, and he protects it, and he restores it to something that seemed impossible before that. And the day will come when Jesus comes to judge. And when he comes to judge, those who do not accept the healing and forgiving that he brings will be judged. And he will not say the Father did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world but to save it. He will say this time he sent the Son into the world to judge the world. When he comes back, his eyes will be flaming like fires. His feet will be like burnished bronze. It says he will trample the winepress of God's wrath, of the fury of God's wrath. Right? He's coming again. And it will be time for judgment. But it's not that time yet. And he is offering healing. And he is offering hope to everyone, no matter what you might have done. And the very people who say, this can't mean me, you're the exact ones this is written for. <laughs> this is written for those who think it can't mean me. That's why it says it. He doesn't say it for the people who aren't broken. He doesn't say it for the people who, who, aren't, who are flaming. <laughs> he says it for the people who aren't. And there's hope for those in, and there's hope for those out. And why in and out what? In and out of the church, in and out of Christianity. If by any chance there's someone here who has not yet come to Christ, if you've thought somehow you couldn't, if you've thought somehow you were not eligible, the answer is yes, yes, you are. Yes, you are. Jesus specifically came for you. He did not come to call 99 righteous, but the one sinner. And I want to assure you that, that you can come to Jesus. He will accept you. He will forgive your sin no matter what it is. And no matter how much damage it has done to you and or others. Right? He didn't pay a small price on that cross. He paid a big price. And the price is enough to cover your sin. Okay, but, but for those in... What if you did that? You accepted Christ, and, and maybe some time ago, but you say, well, it was a long time ago, and since that time, since that time, I've done something, and I've destroyed whatever chance I had. Maybe once, but not anymore. Uh, you say, I've, I've ruined it, but the fact is that you haven't, because you don't have that power. You don't have what it takes to, to take away your salvation. Uh, because of, you know why? Because he won't give up. Let's look at this passage in Isaiah a little bit more. He, right, verse 4, Isaiah 42, verse 4, he will not be disheartened or crushed. 
it's talking about the bruised reed and the dimly, I guess, <laughs> for whatever reason, the dimly burning wick, smoldering, yeah, trying to go out. And then all of a sudden he says, but he will not be disheartened or crushed until he has established justice on the earth and the coastlands will wait expectantly for his law. It says, he will not quit until he is successful. He will not quit until he has done everything he wants to do. He does not quit. His flame does not go out. His reed does not break. He will not be disheartened. He will not be crushed. He will not be stopped. I can be stopped, right? You can be stopped. I may become a broken reed. I may become a smoldering wick. But he will not fail. He will not. So listen to what I'm saying as if you were listening to the voice of God. If you, are, if you are saying, but it can't be true for me, listen to what I'm saying as if it was the voice of God, because I'm getting this right out of Scripture, am I not? You have hope, and it is not too late. Jesus did not come to judge the world, but to save it. Do not ignore your sins and pretend them away. No, don't, don't. Jesus did not say, go and mind, you know, do whatever you want. He said, go and sin no more. Do not ignore your sins or pretend them away. Repent of them and throw yourself on the one who will more than restore you. Right? He will more than restore you to what you were. He will restore you to what you never thought you could be. Restore isn't the adequate word for that. Right? But he will do that because Jesus is a gentle savior. He, 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 he will judge. He will judge the living and the dead, but not yet. And until that day, he will save, and he will save you. Lord God, I ask for any in this congregation, anybody listening online that needs to be restored to you, Father, save people who need to repent of their sins, lost people who need to, to come to you, Father, that we will eagerly uh, hopefully, with whatever we have, accept the gift that you have, turn to you and ask your forgiveness and find out that you are true to your word and you forgive the sinner. We pray in Jesus' name.